Hi, and welcome to Telepathic TV. This is Television's Chwatch with your, ouch, third eye. Okay, welcome to the show. I'm R. Neville Johnston. And this evening's show is going to be on the subject of aliens. No, not wonderful, warm people lacking a green card. Uh, individuals that are not Earthborn that uh, are still here and that are here to help us. Uh, the media, uh, cinema, you name it, has been against aliens right from the start. And so each of us has a subconscious mind that's full of uh, ripe ghost stories, uh, alien abduction stories, etc. And um, it's misplaced. It's not true. And this is done in um, order to keep us from uh, accepting help from our friends. It really, truly is that simple. We're going to go on a brief tour of the local universe, local galaxy. The, local galaxy. And I, I've spent many years teaching what I call galactic history. And um, uh, it's a kind of a repeating story. Uh, and we're going to uh, use this to get us a little more leverage in being able to change who we are and what it is we're doing. The, um, I have many times asked to uh, meet um, Pleiadians, for example, Arcturians, Pleiadians. Uh, I've outlined all of these things briefly on other shows, but we're going to do uh, a little more of an organized and in-depth uh, feature about how this has begun. So the humanoid species, which is dispersed amongst the stars and especially amongst the stars around us, as the actual origin of the humanoid species was in the um, constellation Lyra. And um, what happened was uh, celestial beings, let's call them spirits, let's call them souls, decided that they would try on incarnation. They would um, come from above, we would come from above, and uh, be born into 3D physicality. And when this first began, uh, it was beautiful because the souls, uh, we, uh, many of us were there, uh, we would emulate what it was that we knew, as anyone would, as an infant does. Uh, and what we knew uh, when we were so new um, was uh, the sounds of the spheres, the sounds of um, heaven, the beautiful sounds. And so when we were first incarnate, we would sing and uh, make beautiful harmonies and uh, began um, sculpting, began art. This was who we are. There was nothing else to do. And it had not yet become in any way complex. Now, um, the particular body that we were afforded in this process, which is a humanoid body, and is not significantly different from um, the ones we're in now, in a way, um, they, they, they did all that stuff with uh, Neanderthal and Cro-Magnon and they da, da, da. But um, it's not like the original humans were, you know, just above an ape. It never worked that way. There's a, an amazing separation between the two, and I'm digressing, but ever so slightly. What happened was no one thought to write an owner's manual for the physical body. And uh, so we acted out love and passion and began to reproduce, but without the owner's manual, we had no idea about incest 
in breeding and that the idea of producing offspring that were genetically modified in a way that did not serve anyone. So uh, at this point, uh, words that are still hurled today, uh, ugly, um, misfit, uh, miscreant, um, the other word, what's PC for retarded? You know, the idea of uh, people that weren't all there. And so when the humanoids, when the original humans invented these words, it soon led to crime and, and war and destruction. And the people that um, were dubbed with these dreadful epithets felt guilty about it and uh, those who saw them and were horrified felt guilty about that so the whole thing was based on guilt. Now this is the trillion of time this has been said so pay attention and I expect you to repeat it back. Guilt, this is Lazarus's teaching, guilt is anger that you don't feel you have the right to have. Okay, so the original humanoids felt guilty and the anger was that they didn't have an owner's manual. The anger was that they weren't guided by, uh, they, they didn't have a whole picture by our agreement, but all right. So the original planet in the um, Larian um, co uh, constellation, uh, they laid it to trash, they destroyed the planet. And uh, so then the next place that the uh, experiment was conducted, the uh, uh, beautiful celestial beings into um, uh, humanoid form was uh, on Zeta Reticuli. Uh, Zeta Reticuli so poisoned their native planet that the entire group of them went underground. They went underground. And this is all out of um, a particular book that's um, uh, I'll have to announce the book next week, but I'm owning that uh, I'm reporting, but I see it. I, it's not like I wasn't there. It's not like I didn't understand. Someone else was very kind to remember it, and uh, she's a beautiful author, and it had, uh, pardon me for not, for not doing the diligence of knowing. Um, uh, Christine Day and Marianne Rada uh, both wrote uh, astounding books on, uh, um, and there was another one, the, um, Pleiadian project by uh, Winter. I think it's Raymond Winter. I, this is what I did not do before this show is memorize the names of these authors. But uh, there's a lot of information. Marianne Rada is outstanding. Uh, she has delivered an unbelievable amount of highly useful transformative information uh, about uh, our relationship with the uh, Pleiadians. Okay. So uh, the Zeta Reticuli so poisoned their planet that their solution was to move underground. As soon as they moved underground, their only source of light was fluorescent minerals. And so their eyes grew. And uh, you know those little dark uh, almond-shaped eyes that the ETs have are actually <laughs> sunglasses. <laughs> okay. Just so you know, if one of them comes up to you and it looks like he's going to, you know, do something, just, and <laughs> he'll go, ah, my, and all right, so we're back. What about it? All right, so there we're noticing a pattern here. Uh, the humanoids trashed the place, the next set of humanoids trashed the place. Uh, and so, by the way, the Zetas went off into the, they had perfected a great deal of technology. 
and proceeded to go out and uh, maraud other planets looking for a non-exhausted uh, gene source. The Zetas started reproducing by cloning. Once they were underground, they had to reproduce by cloning uh, because their whole physiognomy, physiology changed underground. And so their females could not produce children, so they began cloning, which exhausted their um, available DNA, so they went off looking for other DNA. Uh, and they also somehow forgot how to love, really. Uh, yes, well, that sounds about right. So they, for the longest time, were marauding the Earth, uh, taking people to gain DNA samples, uh, believing that the DNA would have the ability to love in it, and then they thought it was the food, so they started mutilating cows, and then they just, they, they really got out of hand. Now, something that I don't believe is common knowledge at all, and I don't really care, um, the entire of our galaxy is governed by some incredibly advanced beings who are not dumb. I, I started the show by saying, uh, I don't even remember, I have a great memory, it just doesn't work, that um, without a doubt, we are the only intelligent beings in the universe. True or false? Okay. If there were other beings in the universe, we would be much brighter, true or false? Okay, so there are beings that are unbelievably bright compared to us. Uh, you just couldn't compare them. You know, it's like uh, Platworm and, and Einstein. There's just no comparison. All right, fine. So they began marauding us, and the galactic government put an end to it, stopped them. We, the planet Earth, is not represented in the galactic government. We're regarded as badlands uh, because, um, well, we don't even have one global government. We have 130 some odd little governments that seem to do nothing but spat at each other. And so the, the galactic government is not going to lay down 130 chairs and listen to us argue with each other because they have a galaxy to run and that's going to go nowhere. So I wrote a short, short story on this subject and I'm going to publish it on um, uh, to Facebook. Uh, to describe this a little more carefully, but think about that. If we got our act together to the point that we were to be represented in the galactic government, what would that man's opening speech, or woman, what would that being's opening speech sound like? It would have to be an unbelievably heartfelt apology for the amount we have trashed this planet. And we don't want to go there, but I just want you to understand that perspective on things, if you're with me. Okay. By the way, call in. Ask any question about anything. Uh, there's uh, some of the, the monologue I'll continue, but please call in uh, because it's wonderful to, uh, to participate. That is the whole point of our program. You, the, the viewer, can also be the guest, and any question that you ask, you're asking on the behalf of hundreds of thousands of other beings. Now, this grand experiment of incarnation trashed um, the Zeta planet, uh, trashed um, uh, an Orion planet, trashed a... Um, up until the Pleiadians, by the way. How did the Pleiadians get out of the, the patterning? What's that patterning again? Uh, well, the patterning is in a trinity, really, yes. So we have plus, we have minus, 
and we have neutral. Okay. Now, what the Pleiadians did, and it was brilliance per se, and not precisely different from the Vulcans, what the Pleiadians did was they simply refused negativity. Just won't. Won't speak badly. Um, infinite diversity, infinite combination, IDIC. Um, okay. And what happened to the Pleiadians was their creativity stopped off like a light switch. So they're kind of like sitting there. Okay, and then it occurred, it occurred, was taught, we remembered, that uh, plus and mi minus, good and bad, are necessary for creativity to happen. You can't yank a pole and expect creativity to continue to exist. You with me? You understand? Now, and it was an Arcturian book that I believed explained this. Song of Lyra, I believe it was. I've read so many books, that all the thinkings in my head, but I've never been a person that can say where that came from. Okay, so the idea is that... Hi, caller, what's your name, please? Hi, Neville, my name is Fred Lane. Fred. And I'm sure honored to be speaking with you. I'm interested in the, uh, the history of the uh, interspecies uh, mixing, and I wonder if you can tell me or have any clear thoughts about the timeline when that happened. I, I totally believe that's the only explanation for why we're so different than the animals, and I'm in a minority with yourself in that belief, but, and I also believe the relig religious traditions uh, are involved with that as well. But my question is, when did this happen? When did the... Uh, the uh, that's uh, one of the funnier stories. <laughs> So we'll go there. Um, let me just finish on the triangulation point um, and hang on for a sec. So plus and minus. Uh, if plus and minus are pushed together, it's an explosion. In fact, literally a nuclear explosion. If the neutral zone invites both the plus and the minus and they are both respected, then creativity happens. You're with me? So what the uh, Pleiadians did was they negated negativity and so their creativity stopped. You're there, Fred? Okay, well, I'll answer your question. Uh, so it is very necessary for, um, for the two to exist, the three to exist, and that's how creativity happens. Uh, the, what happened, and on any developing planet, when they get a humanoid species going, uh, they divide it, uh, uh, on our planet, they divided it into, um, oh, this was a long time ago. This was um, uh, before the last ice age, time-wise, uh, quite a while ago, technically speaking, quite a while ago. And, and many, many, many thousand years. We've been on this planet a lot longer than anybody knows. Yada, yada, yada. I don't care about body of evidence. And by the way, it's not my job to convince anybody of this. Whose job is that? Yes, it's your job. You believe it or you don't. If you want to get angry, please change the channel. Okay. I have no, I have no reason to, to convince anybody of anything. I convince me, and it's your job to convince you. Okay. So a very long time ago, they divided the, race, they divided the human race into races in order to do away with... Hey, Fred, welcome back. Okay. Hey. 
they did away with um, races in order to do away with racism, ISM, is I am, ism, ISM, is I am. It's a language code. Okay, we're all beingnesses. There's a word that the spell check will just flag every time, but who cares? <laughs> Uh, okay, so they divided into the races, and they divided into the um, uh, brown race, the, uh, where do we put that? Uh, there was actually a green race, which still exists on Earth, yes, okay. And the orange race, I've seen two orange race peoples, uh, and the blue race, and um, the yellow, and the red, and the white. Well, that's awesome. Okay. Now, they didn't get along. Because, uh, you know, if you've ever had a bunch of raccoons, I lived in a place where there was a bunch of raccoons, and uh, the families of raccoons recognize each other by their unique tail stripes. So if we don't recognize that other person, we then um, withdraw from it. So this happened, on, and this was at the point where they were already beginning to send planetary teachers in. A planetary teacher is going to say things like, um, you want to remember to cook, uh, you want to invent soap, uh, you want to play nice with your fellow, you know, stuff like that. Okay, so in the grand mix that we have become, the orange race was absorbed into the blue race. And so today the blue race is the blacks amongst us. And the Sinbad, you know, the actor Sinbad? Yes. He, he is the one orange human being I've ever seen. And I believe he believes he's black, but he's that unique race. And he would do well to find an orange woman and bring these people back. Because oh, wow. they're loving and caring. They, they were sweet. I don't, they got absorbed. What are you going to do? Okay, the green race. Well, let me do a little more. Um, what happened to the yellow and the red race was that they lived uh, basically in where China is, that area of the, uh, not just China, but that whole area. Yeah. And the two of them invented bows and arrows at the same time. And what happened was the um, yellow race was very curious about what the red race was up to and they didn't get along, and so the yellow race chased the red race across the Bering Straits, which was above, at that time, above land. It was all one landmass. Chased them into the United States, uh, which explains why they found a 30,000-year-old um, Japanese skull, I think the report was. I, I think it's just generic yellow, but they tagged it to Japanese, and that may well be. Uh, in the middle of Arizona, buried in the desert, there's wow. a 30,000-year-old Japanese skull. And wow. that was, uh, he was part of a party that was chasing to make sure that the red race would occupy the entire of the Americas, which it did. Well, well Neville, let me just ask a question again, a follow-up. Sure. Um, this is just fascinating. I think it's the most interesting thing on TV, and thank you so much <laughs> for being there. But the, my question is, do you have some books, again, which you cited earlier, and I should have taken more careful notes, but I'm sure your listeners would love to know your uh, sources for this fantastical... Yeah, uh, I, I will say Marianne Rotter wrote a book called Obolescent Nine. She's working on her next book. Marianne Rotter. R-A-D-A. Thank you. Right. I'll, and I'll the, hang up now. 
Okay, but to please also uh, go for the books that uh, I'm creating, which is the Language Code series and uh, book of short stories. There's um, quite a bit to what you can read. I, I just admit when I have read something somebody else wrote. A lot of times it's my own thinking, and to be absolutely honest, I cannot tell the difference between my own thinking and what I've read because my conclusions will be based on what I've read and my conclusions are mine, but if they're based on somebody else, I'd like to talk about it. And um, uh, Winter wrote Pleiadian, Pleiadian uh, Project, I think was the name. That's a brilliant book. He explains time travel. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Yeah, hey, Neville. My name is Tim. How are you this evening? Oh, I'm doing good. How about you? Hey, I'm doing very well, thanks. Thanks for taking my call. Anytime. Uh, hey, I have uh, a question about vortexes or vortices. In, in sure. Particular, uh, the, there's a vortex out in uh, Basie, Virginia, and I'm aware of others in Taos. And I'm wondering yeah. if uh, vortexes, I'd just li I'd like to learn your thoughts on vortexes because they're interesting and I don't know anything about them. And I'm going to hang up and uh, turn on the TV so I can hear your answer. All right, Tim, thank you for calling. And believe me, call back. This is great. We love your calls. Fred also, just call anytime you want. Um, I'm going to address your question, and I'm going to go back to the races, which weren't quite over. But uh, ironically, the races were invented to do away with racism. You didn't, didn't that create racism? No, it's to do away with it. You'll see. Okay, so vortices is a place where a number of things are going on. Uh, there will be crystals involved. Uh, I don't know how many. Uh, Mary and I teach um, crystal class, we have a very advanced crystal class where you're going to actually build your own vortex right there in your living room. And I, I build equipment to uh, facilitate this, uh, um, etc. Okay, so in this place, the, um, the, um, there's a really good book that I haven't read that I'm thinking about ordering where the guy is talking about domes on the planet where you can go from one, which is a vortices only, it's not, not like that, it's like that, um, where you can go from one dome to another dome instantly through time space, but you kind of got to court the thing. Um, so the vortices, like uh, the one in uh, Sedona, uh, for example, is a place where the ethers are very thin and you can get information to come through to awaken and enliven you and I have to say that that works and go there, and I'm not saying not to. What I am also saying is that you can do this yourself. See, we have been taught a ridiculous lie, and that is the one that says, whatever that is that you desire, it is outside of you. That is the lie. Whatever it is you desire is inside of you. You don't have to go any further than you to get to anything you want. This is perpetrated constantly in the media. Uh, happiness lies outside of you. Okay, ask a question and you have taken the answer to that question and pitched it outside of you. Go meditate on it. Meditation. Okay, so meditation. So it's a quiet place and you can have crystals. You don't have to, you could. Crystals are a good idea. They amplify the frequency. You can amplify the frequency. I'm never taking anyone's power away. The um, waveform generator is in itself a vortex. Um, okay, so meditation. So uh, we've said this many times. Thought creates and where you place your attention grows. You take your attention and you place it on becoming 
more conscious. Is that too complicated? Is it okay? You place your attention on <clears throat> becoming more conscious, and then you switch off your mind. How do I do that? Okay, so if you had an electric drill and you ran it 24-7 for 100 years, that drill would be burnt out. Well, what do you think your brain, you, you could give your brain a break, yeah? Well, how do I shut my thinking off? Okay, you're right, there's going to be some sort of thinking, but it doesn't have to be what you think it is, really. That's think twice in the same sentence. This is not being published, I'm just speaking. Fine, fine, how do I do it? Okay, well, you just close your eyes and you begin to follow your breath. You've placed your attention where, please? See, a good memory, right? You've placed your attention on becoming more conscious. You begin inhaling and exhaling, and it becomes an infinity sign. Okay, and after your thoughts fade away, you might find yourself traveling through space or floating. It doesn't matter where you find yourself. And then suddenly, you're in the presence of someone, something that speaks to you. And if it doesn't frighten you out of the meditation, that's good. But if you do this twice a day, every day, for a long time, you're going to get to the point where you can say things like, the reason the New Age is doomed to failure <clears throat> is that it is staged in an ideal world where everything is perfect and bunny rabbits and love is always sweet. It's the only understanding of love we have. And um, I mentioned the unicorns? Bunnies riding unicorns. Okay, now when something disappoints you, something goes wrong in the ideal world, you have no recourse but disappointment and whining. Oh, why did you do that? You're so egocentric. I'm so much better than you. Fine, okay. And we're going to talk about the ego mind, which we seem to have stumbled into the ego mind. All right, fine. Dink, dink, dink. Oh, so... <clears throat> This is a perfect world. Can you repeat that, please? It's a perfect world. Okay, when something doesn't look perfect, it is incumbent upon you to figure out why that is perfect. But if you actually get faith, and I don't mean the old-fashioned gasoline-run faith where you have to take it and I'm talking about faith where you just know. If there's not doubt. Uh, but we're humans, we always doubt. Stop that. You don't have to do that anymore. Okay, so it is a perfect world. So I'm meditating on it's a perfect world. And I had the most frightening, that's a joke, frightening thought imaginable. If this is a perfect world, then I don't have to worry about anything. Oh, OMG. Several Gs including the goddesses and the, okay. If I don't have to worry about anything, wait, let me do a pie graph. What percent of your day is spent worrying? I'll be kind. 98%? I'm being kind, don't forget that. If you could whittle that down to 97, but we're not talking about taking prisoners here. We're talking about doing this. I, I, I'm, there is nothing to worry about, because no matter what it is, it's perfect. I'd like someone to call in and tell me about something that never, ever, ever, ever worked out. And there won't be any calls on that, because everything always works out, because everything's perfect. Now, think about what you would do with 98% more time. 
what would you do? Well, you're never going to know because that's taken up by worrying. <laughs> or you could actually know everything's perfect and you don't have to worry about a thing. I'm telling you, the revelation was astounding to me. Well, I don't have to worry about anything. Well, what am I going to do? <laughs> well, you're worrying. Oh yeah, that's right. Damn. Well, I'll just take the next footfall and see what happens. Let's go down the road. It's a perfect world. What am I going to do? Whew. So it is entirely, that is a form of ascension. Yes, no, maybe. Realizing that it's a perfect world. Um, call in when you come back. Everything always works out. It's all been a lie. There's nothing to worry about. All right, fine. So, the races, aren't they fun? Okay. Now, uh, oh, so the, um, the yellow and the red, okay. Didn't blend together too much. Well, to a degree, you know, the uh, Asian community, okay, and the browns. And we're all mixing together, by the way. I read some remarkably quaint stat that stated that, oh, I don't know, a hundred years in the future, uh, we'll be back to one race again because of the amount of uh, racial um, inbreeding that's going on. But whatever, everything's perfect. It's all all right. Um, that's the story I'm going to publish on Facebook, which is called, you know, We the People. All right. Uh, oh, the green race. We do everybody else? Yeah, the green race. The green race are the Italians. You know, the beautiful um, skin that's actually green. They're the green race. They are the ones that agreed to explore emotions. That can be really, really good because what's passion? You've got to have emotion. You have to have emotion. And uh, all of the races agreed to explore very specific things. And everybody did it right, and it's all okay. And it's, we're advancing. This is the whole point. So aliens, all right. So let's say you're a person that's got guts. Fine. All right, say out loud, <clears throat> I would choose that I meet an extraterrestrial where I know that they're an extraterrestrial, and I'd like to retain the memory, and I'd like to figure out what this being had to say to me. Okay. Which I've done a number of times, and I've done it for a long time. And so I called, uh, uh, back when Pathways was uh, very new, I read this ad, single ad in the back of it that said, a fifth-dimensional vibrational tuning called this number. So I called the number and I say, well, I'm interested in the fifth-dimensional vibrational tuning. And the person goes, who are you? I know nothing about this. How did you get my number? And that was the conversation. Five days later, a quintet, five days later, the phone rings. And this voice that was not too unnecessarily inhuman, uh, says, I understand you're interested in the uh, fifth dimensional vibrational tuning. And I go, yes, yes, I am very much. And at that time, I worked regularly with a group of 20 plus people 
that and we would all meet at the house and we would generally I would pardon the ego um, uh, generally there would be teaching going on and everybody has something to teach and it was very open and relaxed and I invite this person to come and I say well uh, I'm going to convene 20 something people and I'll I'll agree to pay you a percent of what the house takes in and fine and uh, <clears throat> so the doorbell rings and I go to the door and uh, I open the door and you can see this form take place but it was it was Uh, there really aren't words to describe this. Looking back on the memory, I saw the uh, beings come together like, like assembled in molecules, just like that. And there were these. Uh, there was this beautiful young woman in white flowing outfit, who was the spokesman, who seemed to be the one who spoke English a little better. And uh, behind her was a very uh, dark-looked Russian, perhaps a, a man and a woman. Um, he had dark hair, dark. Uh, the clothing, I had never seen anything like their clothing. It wasn't all that unusual. I mean, it was still pants and a shirt, but nothing, it, it's not like, you know, J. Crew or J.C. Penney or any of those JPEG. It, it, you know, so fine. I just accept all this. And they come floating in, okay, not literally, they come in, okay. And we see them, and the, the 20 of us are around them, and, and we're looking to see what it is they're going to say to us. And um, they begin talking, and we begin asking questions, and they answer questions. And right in the middle of this, I mean in the middle, this was like amazing, um, the woman just stands straight up, just stands up, and she opens her mouth, and she gives off this sound. And I don't know how to describe the sound, but it was truly amazing. And then the couple, the dark couple, who mumbled in something, some accent I could never really get or understand, the couple goes to the center and they begin to dance. And they dance around with each other while this woman is doing this amazing modulation of tone, just up and down, up and down, up and down. Uh, and it's you could see it was a language. Okay, and what was astounding about the outfits the couple was wearing is that uh, you know where the coccyx bone is and if you've uh, been on listening to the show long enough um, the first eight cells that are you the sperm eats the egg and it divides and divides and it divides those eight cells still exist in your body still exist in your body and, and they're buried deeply within the coccyx and they are a merkaba and that is the point of the pulse in Kundalini. Those eight cells are the point of the pulse in the Kundalini, and, and you can see them pulse up. You can feel, if you do the Merkaba, you can feel them pulse up the uh, pranic tube. Okay, these two, the couple dancing, both have this little gold something or other that's dimensional. I don't know what it is. Say it looked like a gold button, because that's the way my brain translated it. And as they're dancing, your eye gets caught on this little gold button. And so you're doing this eye mudra while this woman is making this tone. And then, they, uh, then it comes to an end, and everybody is stone silent. And, uh, and they're ready to go. And I, as the host, say, well, here, let me write you a check for the event, which they never asked for. 
I don't even, I don't remember it was ever cashed, and they just go. And so I go, oh boy, that was really a lot. And so I, I call every member of the group and I go, uh, did you experience any missing time? Is anybody pregnant? All these questions I asked to see. And that was the event. And here I am today. And I, I believe that event played and here I am today. Because I've had an unquenchable thirst for uh, any information that has to do with very spiritual. Anybody that puts down very spiritual okay, is evil per se. It, it is that simple. You know, anybody that, I've already asked the skeptics to please change the channel, and if you're still there, I have to say again, it's your job to convince you, not mine. So this idea of uh, becoming uh, more conscious, and we can do this, and we can do it very, very well. All right, so another thing that we have done just brilliantly is a separation with the humans. It's not enough to separate us into two genders. Your brain has to be separated into two genders, the left brain and the right brain. And you can integrate these as simply as, you know that, I don't know if you know the trick, but you, you point two fingers at each other and you cross your eyes and you see a little piece of finger floating in the middle. Does anybody not know that? Good, okay. In order to see that little piece of finger floating right in the middle between your two fingers, you have to be processing information from both eyeballs at the same time. Is that not logic? Do you see that? Okay. In order to process information from both eyes at the same time, then both halves of your brain have to be switched on. Yes, it's the old-fashioned gasoline run, turn your brain on. No, you just do that. I, I, if you can see a magic eye, in order to see the magic eye, which has suddenly disappeared, have you noticed that? That was a great trend, say goodbye. And the reason is, oh, well, it was waking people up. Yet another secret government, blah, 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 uh, who cares? Okay, so do that, it's built into your body. Okay, And when you can see that, you've switched on both halves of your brain at the same time. Keep them switched on, because eventually you will be getting answers from both the internal male and the internal female, whereas the logisticians, the, the recalcitrant logisticians, will only go for what's pure linear logic, and uh, those of us who are passionate and feeling and only go for the, the female um, uh, breadth and brilliance that is that. No, there's a, there's a place between the two, the integration of the two. If you can integrate your own brain, then you can actually exist on this planet without harming it. Because there are people, there are people in India that live on the sun, lightarians. I'm working my way up to vegan here. I've been vegetarian for a long time. I have a feeling that's changing. Okay. Oh, just a second while I see. That was basically the script. Okay. Not that I usually write a script. I did this today. Oh, I would like to point out that the fourth dimensional shift is occurring, has occurred, or will occur shortly. I gave you all the info on it when I said it is... See, in... When I said it is a perfect word, that was all the coding for the fourth dimensional shift. 
What did he say? Eh, play the tape back. Okay. Um, where'd we put that? Oh, yeah, okay. So now that's an easy one. So I'm going to explain third and fourth dimension again. If it's hurting you, it's a three-dimensional thought construct. If it feels good, it's a fourth-dimensional construct. Any questions on that? Good. Okay, so not only don't you have to worry about anything, and please forgive me for this, you don't have to hurt you anymore. Advanced, I know. All right, fine. So on shows gone by, we've done the idea of if you suddenly find yourself dumped into a childhood memory, okay, that, and you why did I remember that? For no reason, suddenly, I just remember. Um, when I was a very young child, I found a black widow spider. I was so proud. I went into the house to get a bottle to make it my friend and take it home with me. And I told mom, mom, I found a black widow spider. Do you have a jar? And she lost her mom mind. Uh, now, I, okay, now that memory came up. And uh, so I said, well, what's the programming? That's the point at which I lost my touch with Earth. As that small child, and naive does not mean stupid, as that small child, I <clears throat> knew that that spider would come with me, that we would become friends, that it would all be okay. I knew the spider would not bite me. I knew all of this. But then the fear pulse, and that's where I lost touch. I, I have the exact moment. So I am no longer separated from nature. Voila. And how do you make such a remarkable transition, you might ask? Uh, because I go to the search engine. What's my favorite search engine? That's going to work. Okay, fine. The average person has the search engine functioning constantly. Will this hurt me? This is an unknown situation. And the first thing you ask yourself is, will this hurt me? The next search engine up. What's the next one? The next search engine up is, is what's really going on here? Okay, now that separates, that's a genius level separation between will this hurt me and what's really going on. You can see how that would be an unbelievably keen, yes, in New Hampshire, keen way to, by the way, we err in keen, which is keen, I suppose. What about it? Oh, that quick? Uh, they're rustling the dock in the background. What was my, oh, the third search engine. Why is this love? Uh, the childhood memory, why is that a form of love? My mother loved me, I love the spider. There's a lot to it. And as we continue on the next point, which was, oh, upgrade your search engine, for God's sake. Switch to, at, start out with what's really going on because you will get a plethora of answers that you were not expecting, that were not hinted at by the circumstance. All right, let me see where we were. And if you're really, truly brave, outstanding, bold, and willing to change, ask yourself, why is this love? And it is possible to know that. And after the duck, I'll explain. And by the way, if you have questions, call in.
And this is Andrew, our beloved duck dangler, and here come the duck. And this is Mary's um, deck of um, uh, chakra affirmation cards. And it's base chakra, my life is always in divine order, that's what we are saying. And would say to you, your life is always in divine order, and it fits with the evening's theme. Thank you, Andrew. You did an excellent job. Uh, and the, the theme is that it's a perfect world. Everything is always perfect. There is no possibility of it not being perfect because of the def woefully defective language we think in, because of the woefully defective system of education rampant on our planet. It is very easy to think that things are not perfect. It's really a piece of cake. How dare you? Stop that. Now, back here now, everything is perfect. Okay, fine, so uh, my foot fell off. Oh, that's perfect. Why? Uh, because you can, I've said this, take the other foot and I would like a, a prosthetics, you know, those little flipper prosthetics. I want to go to Serengeti and I want to paste a Jaguar, okay? Because you could keep up with one with the prosthetics. That's why it's perfect. Okay, it, it just is. There is nothing that's not perfect. There is nothing that does not work out. There, there, there is no such thing as tragedy. Okay, but, but the inner reaction between good and evil, the inner reaction between plus and minus is creativity. It's just that it's perfect. You don't have to worry. What are you going to do with 98% more of your life if you actually get the cojones to cut worry out of your life, what would you do with the time? Yes, that's right, pick up the phone and call in the show. And I really <clears throat> have done a series of books on the language we speak. We speak a language that keeps us petrified, slow. Um, what is the word for that? Hidden from a light under a basket, according to the I Ching. The, um, no, it's time to change the language we speak in because we are evolving, and I don't mean LOL, and I don't mean a lot of other things, the way the language is changing. I am talking about words that keep us paralyzed with fear. One of them is, I think. What if is an is a, uh, epithet that could stop a full-blown elephant stampede. What if they don't hurt me? What if this is perfect? What if it's okay for me to go? What if this means my mission is up? What if this means I know I did a good job? What if I love the elephants for doing this? What if I regard the elephants as noble for having taken the opportunity to assist me to cease my incarnation, which was up? What if I know I'm going on to something far more interesting than what I've been doing? And I've led an interesting life, I really have. I don't think of it that way, but I have. No question about it. So I'm going to go and work on my next painting, which is generally what I'm doing. I spent over the last week, I've made somewhere around 18 waveform generators because they just want to exist. This is a big one. I've made little ones, little ones. They're so cute, and they work. And always working on the book, and uh, always reading. I like to read a fiction 
and a metaphysical book at the same time, and they have blended together now and again, but um, that keeps that part of. And generally, I just became, um, I made gazpacho in a blender, and it's the only thing that's interested me to eat in the last week. I have an occasional Boca burger, but, uh, and I've lost six pounds. But that's funny to me because my muscular muscle structure is rewriting itself owing to a Tibetan rites yoga, which I would talk to anybody about and uh, even hip you to the action. And we have a lot. Oh, hey, yesterday was the first day of a Zulkin. Anybody following the Mayan calendar will be confused because it's long count first day, MX, one MX was yesterday, today is two ish, which is the um, entering of the spirit into the new Zulkin. Okay, partnered, two, two partner, sun and moon, dunk, um, body and spirit. Dunk. So today is where the spirit entered the, um, spirit entered the Zulkin. And uh, plan the next 260 days of your life, or don't. Or, by all means, maintain that skepticism about everything you hear that you haven't heard of before. It's a very good thing to do. Yes, that'll help. Um, so I'm um, planning the next Zulkin, this first wave spell. Starting yesterday, there's a 13-day cycle, which you might want to watch, um, just for you to know. Uh, the Mayan calendar was mislaunched, that 2012 thing in the uh, dream spell. This is the long count, and I'm following that and will continue to follow it. Although it's very unlikely I'll announce it weekly like I did for such a long time. And that's because you have to go seek this. We've given you, I've, Mary and I have given you absolutely everything, um, and you have to receive it. You can't go, ooh, that's interesting. I'll never remember it. Well, maybe when I'm 90, it'll flit through my mind right before I clock. No, get on this stuff. And I didn't even begin to touch, I did, I touched it. What would the ambassador from the planet Earth say to the galactic government? So sorry, we messed up that much. That's what they'd say. Okay, hi caller, what's your name please? Hi, this is Suzanne. Suzanne, hey, how are we doing? What's news? I'm, I'm fine, thanks. I just wondered if you had any tips on uh, meditation that could increase creativity. Creativity, just one moment. <laughs> creativity is um, um, it's part of a trinity, and the trinity is inspiration, process, and boredom. Inspiration, process, and boredom. Okay, boredom got a bad rap. Boredom is where you are re... Okay, so inspired, uh, creativity. Okay, the creativity is the process of the inspiration. Follow, inspired, process it, do the painting, whatever that is. So I, I need inspiration that won't leave me alone, that gets me up, get up and do that. And I'm not talking about negativity. I'm not the latest painting I'm doing will not stop till I finish it. It won't let me alone. I can't sit there and be peaceful because I'll go, oh, yeah, I, I just got to do that. I'm inspired to do it. And then between the paintings, 
probably get bored. Uh, and, but I have other trinities, so once the painting's done, the writing will begin, uh, then there'll be a, another, you know, it just goes like that in that trinity. That's, that's who we are, that's what we all do. Uh, that's in, by the way, the um, Protocols book, that specific trinity, Trinity of Creation, uh, is in the Protocols book, and I'll bet you I have a copy of it. But um, uh, let me know about that. Suzanne, is that good? Yes, thank you very much. It's very helpful. Yeah, so we're going to be at Ruby Tuesdays, by the way, and um, uh, after the show tonight, which will be somewhere between 9.30 and 10, we'll all show up there, uh, the crew, crew that's coming, and uh, we will be having a good time just dancing and laughing. Actually, we'll sit there and trade. All right, I'll see you there. <laughs> yeah, good, good. Uh, we'll be sitting and trading stories, and I have absolutely no doubt about that. But uh, let me see who else and what else. Yeah, so any questions on that? And um, you have about three minutes if you want to call in and uh, find out what's going on there. Yeah, uh, let me see. I think we covered most of it. Aliens want to love us and help us. If we actually were so doggedly dumb, and dogs are not dumb, if we actually set off a nuclear war on this planet, it would take about that long for the sky to completely fill with UFOs who would just stop the explosions because the galactic government said that there will never be another planet killed by its species, okay? Uh, Moldek is now an asteroid belt, and that used to be a really nice place up until those beings got into that argument and it died from implosion rather than explosion. By the way, it imploded. That's why it's a bunch of rocks in orbit. Mars, Mars used to be a great place. I can remember summering there. <sighs> um, uh, again, and so they just took the skin right off it. <sighs> okay, we're not gonna be the next one, period, okay? And I don't want to have the galactic government stepping in on this. We can do this. There have been uh, 16,000 atomic bombs set off on our planet. The word test. You know why you don't like the word test? Because there is no word test. There's no, only more education. 16,000. Uh, uh, several governments got fond of setting off atomic bombs in the ocean. Uh, and now the ocean is full of dead spots. What do you mean dead spots? Places that will not accommodate life. Go search this out on Google. Search um, uh, timeline of atomic bomb tests. Dink. And it looks like a video game. Dink, 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 dink. You'll be happy to know the United States set off more than anybody else. How's that? Oh, we forgot to cover ego mind. We'll catch that some other week. But oh God, is that obvious. It's a, we're gonna, it's a Christine Day, so we're gonna have a meditation. It's just gonna be people sitting. And, okay, and then the ego mind. Uh, what about uh, crystals? What about the pillows? What about the chairs? What are we gonna talk about? What are the, that's the ego mind chattering because the ego mind would be left out. We're going to sit quietly and meditate. There's nothing else. But, I, but my ego, I have, to, I have to add, I have to subtract, I have to do something. No. No, what you have to do is recognize your ego mind and shut that little darling off. 
Thank you very much. Thank you.